This is Strange Assembly episode 158, Raid and Trade. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. Here with me today is Alexander Argeropoulos of Mage Company. Hi, Alexander. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. This is your second appearance on the show, and uh, not coincidentally, you have a, uh, a game, Raid and Trade, on Kickstarter right now? Yes. So, why don't you briefly tell our, our listeners what that game is about? Raid and Trade is a post-apocalyptic board game. It's for three to five players, and it's a game that has a lot of mechanics. I mean, there are too many actions that uh, you can make in each turn. We have created the theme post-apocalyptic, but it's not so heavy, not so light, you know, it's something medium. It's very friendly to everyone, to families, maybe to those who are more gamers. And based on the feedback we had so far, I think that the people, we really love the game because there is a lot of interaction among the players because there are combats, there are trades and such stuff, so I think that would be a very good point. Now, if I understood the setting correctly, each what each player is a particular character with particular powers trying to scrounge what the best stuff in this environment yeah, it's supposed that the Third World War is over, you know, and there are few cities, few golden cities that have been created by the survivors, you know, in the wastelands. So in this game, we have five different characters, five different survivors with different abilities, and each player takes the role of one such a survivor. Of course, you do not run to save to save yourself from the like, zombies. <laughs> we do not have zombies here. But uh, you have to save yourself from this wasteland. You have to get inside the Golden City. And for that, we have created three winning conditions. Either to have the most skill points, or to complete three secret quests, or to become a nobleman, meaning to, to do good actions, you know, to, to, to be a good person. And each of those, what, earns you a... A golden ticket, as it were, into the yeah. into the city. Uh huh. Golden City is a floating place all over the wasteland, you know. So our characters trying to enter to that city because uh, based on the story we have created, uh, the elite of the people, you know, all the noble people, they live there. So the rest for them are just, uh, you know, trusses or something. So you have to work very hard to get yourself inside there. And I noticed when looking at this that each of the characters is, it looks like it's not represented by a standee, but is that an actual sculpted model? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the beginning, we didn't know, you know, how to, to make this character, so we thought to create some models based on characters we see, actually, in post-apocalyptic movies. So, therefore, we have, for example, the bodyguard, you know, with the guns, and he likes to kill. Or we have uh, Garcia the trader, you know, with uh, his small miniature, he's sitting, he's holding a, 
his case and he always wants to steal stuff from other people. We have focused to create uh, characters that we actually see in such movies and bring them into the game. You know, of course, with uh, with the form of the miniature. So I think that at least at this point, uh, we did it good, you know. <laughs> now I see uh, some of them, I guess, have self-explanatory sorts of abilities, right? Carter, the former cop, he's got a assault rifle, looks like I'm guessing he's better at shooting things. The Yeah. Mayu the medic, better at healing people. So what? what's the difference between Jake the mechanic and Zoe the electrician? Basic, we uh, said that these folks were brothers, you know. And although they were living together, you can say that they hate each other. Of course, in the game, we do not connect them. I mean, they do not create a team. Each player has its own character. But uh, we had in our mind to make a scenario later based on those two characters and develop the game a little further. Earlier, you mentioned the lots of different actions that characters can take on their mm -hmm. turns. How do you go about setting up your wasteland for a given game and what kinds of actions can the characters take exploring that? Yeah. Okay. The main problem with the game at the beginning was the downtime. You know, for each player, there is a variety of actions. For example, in your turn, you can move from a city map to another map. You can explore and raid buildings. You can craft your own items that gives you special effects. Uh, you can attack other players. You can trade things with other players. You can go to a place that's called Outpost to gain more favor points in order to become a better person and you come closer to the victory. So there were too many things to do in your turn. So now, in each turn, you have the right to move once. It doesn't matter how many squares you know you will move, just to make a move and one action. For example, at my turn, I move and I attack you. At your turn, you can move and you can craft an item, and so on. So the die time was reduced a lot, and here is where is the strategy of the game. You have a variety of actions, and you have to choose wisely each time you have to play. You have to choose wisely about what are you going to do in the game. Because everything is connected through a chain. For example, when you raid buildings, you gain resources. In order to attack someone, you have to have resources. So everything is connected, and you have to maintain yourself, you know. You have to be very focused each time what kind of actions you're going to do. It may be sound simple for some people or complicated for some other, but it is not. It's just a matter of calculations and only. And you mentioned the outpost. I noticed that one of the, I think maybe the first of the unlocked stretch goals that you guys had, because this has funded yeah. at, at this point in time, is an outpost miniature. What other sort yeah. of stretch goals can people look for to get added into the game if the, the funding level goes up? We have reached a uh, few more stretch goals. Some of them are Kickstarter exclusive. For example, we had new quest cards or uh, some event cards, for example. And now we said to upgrade the game a little. For example, we already made some uh, metal credit discs. These discs are tokens inside the game, but we can, we can make them, you know, metal now, like metal coins. 
and you can buy them inside the, the outpost. It's one of the actions you can make at your turn, and this this give you favor points, so they make you a better person. We have prepared the scenario for the game. We call it Escape the City, and I believe for now it will be the only one for the basic game. We will make some extended rules in the rulebook, and we will make uh, a new map tile, and that scenario turns the game into a semi-co-op mode, meaning that uh, the map tiles, the city, is destroyed in its turn, tile by tile, and you have to run fast, you have to find some specific resources and fix the helicopter. And from the city, you can take with you only one more player. So we have a play, uh, a game that the players must help each other. But at the same time, you have to kill everyone and save <laughs> only one. It's, it's, it's a little, you know, crazy, but it's, a, it's, a, it's exactly like uh, the zombie movies, you know? At the beginning of the movie, you see five or eight or ten people. When they begin it, at the end, you see only one or two people, you know? They save their lives and they just die. This is something uh, that we will do here. I think it, it will work fine. So, and those... The escape the city scenario, uh, that still needs to be unlocked. And the double-sided tiles? Not yet. We hope so. <laughs> okay. So this board is, is made out of tiles, right? Is that a, does that mean it's got a different setup every game? So you've got more replayability or? Uh huh. At the basic game, when you play for the first time, we have a specific setup. Because there is a central map tile where is uh, the black market, and in there you can trade stuff with a black market trader. It's just a combo of the, of the game. But if you want to create a harder game, then yes, you can customize the city each time. I mean the tiles. You can create several shapes. Why is important? How it does affect the game when you do that? It's affected. It affects it because you need more moves. And more moves meaning that you need more action points. And the point of that is that you have limited action points in its turn. So the way you set up the map tiles at the beginning of the game, they will determine the course of the game. So you must be very careful. Okay, now I see that in here you've got a bunch of item cards and incident cards and some global events. Uh, how do those play into the game? Each character has its own board. Each board is custom-made. It reminds those boards of uh, King of Tokyo because we have added three spinning wheels, you know. And uh, also each character has one die. We call it combat die. The items. Each character has about 16 fight cards. Uh, there is uh, a variety of item cards. When you complete you spend the resources to craft it, and it gives you skill points, which is one of the winning conditions of the game, so more skill points, better for you. Also, its item has an effect. You can use it once in the game, and then you have to remove that card from the game, so you must be very careful how you trigger the effect of the item cards. You talked about the, the global events. We reveal two phase-up cards at the beginning of the game, and the starting player chooses one of them. The other is discarded. So each time when a new player begins the game, the round, if you want, 
Uh, we begin uh, by drawing two such cards, uh, and that player chooses one of them, and the other, you know, you discard it. Global events affect all the, play all the players. They have good effects, bad effects. A couple of them, they are very, very cruel. I believe that many people will hate us, but <laughs> we can do it because we call them global effects. So nobody can tell us <laughs> that it's no balanced. I mean, you cannot control a, go a global event. It's something that has to happen. As I told you earlier, we wanted to put some elements from post-apocalyptic movies in the game. So the effects of some global events may be similar scenes you have seen in such movies. For example, there may be a card that there are people who come and attack you, but not one. You know, maybe a whole army or something. The point is that the global event cards are very, very... and valid only for one turn. So that's a cool. The, the incident cards, well, that was a, a really big problem for us. Because just a few days ago, we finalized the mechanic for the incident cards. You can buy the incident cards. Uh, it's such a card has some uh, resources on it. For example, the, there is a, a card with a dog. is a dog watcher or something. So uh, this card needs uh, two food resources. I mean, a dog, what else? You know, could ask <laughs> food. So you give two food resources and you take that card. When you move from a map tile to another map tile, you draw one incident card, you reveal it faced up on that map tile, and if you have the resources to buy it, then you buy it. Otherwise, the other players will do it. It is very simple. So that's, that's Raid and Trade. It's on Kickstarter right now. If I recall correctly, it runs through December 4th. That's when people have to go check it out. Yes, that's correct, yes. Okay. Uh, now, as I mentioned at the top, you've been on here before. You talked about Hoyuk. I know that Mage Company has several other games that have recently gone through Kickstarter. Well, Hoyuk was one of them, and the Ancestor's Legacy version of 12 Realms. So I was wondering if you could give us an an update on what the status of those projects is. Currently, we developed 12 Realms Assessor's Legacy, but we are a little slowly regarding the, regarding the production, because we have too many pre-orders with hand-painted miniatures. And um, we have a deadline about February of 2015, so we hope that we can catch that deadline. So far, so good. We just try to finish the rulebook. As for Hoyuk, we already have finished the delivery of the game through Kickstarter Espelis Media. Only a few people have not received yet their copies, but so far we know that the most of them have already, you know, received the, the rewards and the feedback. Uh, it's just, I think, the best, you know, that we could ever hear or something, you know. It is very good to have good feedback on the game. Well, that's good. Well, and uh, an Ancestor's Legacy only funded what this summer, so this summer yeah. to next February isn't is is very, very far from the longest board game uh, Kickstarter delivery. <laughs> yeah. Uh basic I have seen far uh, you know other projects that take even two years to be delivered. At least we do at 
somehow uh, seven, eight months or something, yeah. So what you're saying is that if people want to hold up Raid and Trade, they should yeah. purchase the add-on that gets hand-painted miniatures for these characters too? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that uh, with Red Dead Trade will be a little better. You know, it's a smaller game, so it's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for stopping by, Alexander. I thank you for the invitation. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find this podcast on iTunes or by visiting our website at www.strangeassembly.com You can follow us on Twitter, we're at Strange Assembly or you can contact me directly at Chris at Strange Assembly But until then I am Chris Stevenson and this is Strange Assembly Never Stop Gaming